Simon, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look today at verses 15 through 23. And while you're turning, you may notice the banner behind me that says, Fight the Good Fight. This is going to be our, our summer series. We're going to be talking this entire summer about ways that we can not only fight, but overcome the enemy of our soul. We realize that this, this Christian life is not all pancakes and syrup, right? There are some battles that we have to fight along the way. But it's not a physical kind of fight, it's a spiritual fight. And so over the course of this summer, we're going to talk about various ways that we can discover that we are in a fight and then how to overcome the fight and wage the battle against the enemy. So today we're going to begin at the very start. Now, if you're going to be successful spiritually, the first thing that you're going to have to understand is that there are three basic premises of our church based on our faith of the following things. Number one, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. He was born of a virgin mother, and he came into this earth as the Son of God. We believe that's true. We don't believe that's a fairy tale story. We believe that that is true. Secondly, we believe that he gave his life on a rugged cross for the sins of this world. He died and took your sin and my sin upon his shoulders. And because he did and sacrifice, was sacrificed there that day, we are free from our sins. Aren't you glad to be free from your sin? It's because of Jesus Christ. But the third thing we believe is that he did not stay in a grave, but that he was resurrected on the third day, and that he still lives forevermore. That when he ascended into the heavenlies, he took his rightful place beside the Father, at the right hand of the Father, where Scripture says he lives forever to make intercessions for the saints of God. And so we base all of our belief on this, that he is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, and that we have access to the blessings of God through Christ Jesus. Listen, there is no other Savior that we can turn to. There is no other name given among men whereby men must be saved except the name of Jesus. So let's get this one thing clear from the very beginning. Our only hope comes through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And everyone who will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life because of him. He did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John chapter 3, verse 17. Aren't you glad that he did all of these things for us? So I would just say to you this morning, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's no better time than for you to do that right now. You say, well, don't I have to run down to the altar and cry and have people slap me around and lay hands on it? No, all you have to do right where you are is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, that he did die for you. He did everything that we're talking about. You believe that and you accept that and you receive that, then you will be saved right where you are. And you get to begin this wonderful journey of faith with him. Isn't that good news today? Amen. 
So today I want to talk to you from Ephesians chapter 1 and just encourage you and let you know today that we start right there and we believe that we have everything that we have need of in order to win the battle. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 15, it says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all of the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glory and glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'll strengthen me today and encourage me and help me that as I preach today that it will be effective and that our ears will be able to hear what you're saying to us by your spirit We'll be able to apply it to our lives so that we can fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready to go. How about you? Fight the good fight. Now, when we think about fighting, we, we often think of that in a negative term. You know, fighting is something that most of us like to avoid, if at all possible. But the problem with that is, is that we've got to understand in spiritual terms that we will always be in a fight, that we fight from the day that we get saved until the day that we die. We are fighting against the enemy who the scripture says has come to kill and to steal from us and destroy us. But I'm glad to know that we have power through Jesus Christ to overcome this enemy. So we have to get in our mind that we are fighters. But not only are we fighters, we're overcomers. We have already won the battle because of Jesus Christ and what he has done. But we still have to live out this life of faith. And so every day that we live, we find ourselves fighting against and warring against these spiritual uh, opponents that come against us. And so we have to learn how to fight appropriately. And so there are four things I want to share with you that are found in this passage of Scripture today that I believe will help you as you fight the good fight of faith. The first thing I want to share with you is that God wants us to grow in our knowledge of Him. Now notice verses 16 and 17 that we just read. It says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the... I'm sorry, I'm reading the, the wrong verses there. 
For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Now, I've been teaching you over the last year or so that this spiritual knowledge and wisdom that God provides for us comes in three phases, in three stages, if you will. The first is simply knowledge. You know that knowledge is information. We have to have certain information if we're going to be successful in our walk with the Lord. We have to know what it is that he has said about living this life. And we can get that information from the word of God. It is knowledge. It is information. And then the second phase and stage of that is that once we have the information, we have to understand that information. So it's a revelation. God gives us revelation about the Word of God. He reveals Himself to us in such a way that we can be fully aware of who He is and what He's able to do in our lives. So not only knowledge, but understanding. And then once we have understanding, then we are empowered spiritually to use the wisdom that He gives us. So we have knowledge, we have understanding, and we have wisdom. Now the problem with many of us is that we, we have a breakdown in that process. If I were to ask many of you today, what does John 3.16 say? A lot of you would be able to say, oh, it's that simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you have the knowledge but you've got to come to a place where you have the understanding of what that means in our lives, how it affects us. And then once we understand it and have the revelation of it, then we can give the wisdom and, and use the wisdom to make it work in our lives. So I don't know where you are in that process, but you've got, if you're going to fight the good fight of, fight, of faith, you've got to get to the place where you don't just have information, but that you have revelation and that you have wisdom on your journey. So he wants us to grow in the knowledge of him. Now, it will cost you to get this kind of knowledge. To the scripture I was started to read a minute ago uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, Paul said this, he said, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends upon faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, here's what he was saying. He is saying, I would rather die than live my life without the knowledge 
of what the resurrection of Jesus Christ will bring to my life. This world is not my home. What I can attain in this earth is not going to last eternally. The only thing that will last eternally is the things that I do for Christ and, and the gifts and, and, the, and the, the sowing of seed that is held for us on my account in heaven. And so we've got to understand that in order to get this revelation, in order to get this knowledge, it's going to cost us our lives. Now by that, I don't mean that God is out to kill you. But what he is trying to get from you is for you to exchange your will for his will. So that the way that you live is not in accordance with what you want and how you desire to live, but rather you change your lifestyle and your living patterns to, to agree with the will of God and the word of God. So it costs us everything. It means that we have to be willing to lay it all down so that we can pick up the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, that's a difficult thing to do sometimes. And, and I can be honest with you, I was raised in the old time church, and I thought what I was laying down was just a bunch of stuff that, that was included in the handbook of rules that the church had. You know, you, you, you can't wear shorts. When I was a kid, couldn't wear shorts. You know, you had to, you had to cut your hair. You had to, couldn't, there's so many things that you just could not do. And as I grew in my faith with the Lord Jesus Christ, I began to realize that God was a whole lot less interested in some of the rules that we played by in the early church as he was having my heart and, and, and for my heart to desire him and the things of the kingdom of God. And I've enjoyed my life so much better when I've learned how to live in relationship with him rather than by a standard of rules that has been provided me by some man. And so we have to have this knowledge and this understanding. And Paul was saying, I'll give up everything if I must in order to attain the, the power that comes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly... God wants us to live with a daily expectation of hope. Don't you love people that are filled with hope? Don't you love people that have a good attitude? Don't you just struggle to be around people that always look like that this is the worst day that they've ever had in their life? I mean, I love to be around people who have hope. Ever since I've been your pastor, I've been saying something like this. You've got to learn how to expect the best. I mean, I know it may look tough if you're using natural eyes. I know, I know it may look impossible to you in the flesh, but your spirit says all things are possible to those who can believe. You've got to start believing like God believes. Your will has to bend to his will. And you've got to start living as though you have hope for tomorrow. One of the things that I love about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is it sends a message to us that nothing can defeat the child of God. 
Death, hell, and the grave has no sting and no power over the children of God. Because if Jesus could get up out of the grave, let me tell you, we can get up out of our spiritual graves as well. And if we die physically on the face of this earth, it's still not the end. It's only the beginning. Because one of these days, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to call the saints of God. It doesn't matter if you're in a graveyard somewhere, the grave will not be able to hold you. You're going to burst forth out of that grave uh, and your body is going to be united with your spirit. It's going to be a glorified body. I'm telling you there are good times coming for the children of God. We are not subject to the bondages of this earth. We can rise above in every situation. It seems like the only time that we ever want to talk about resurrection though is when we talk about death, hell, and the grave. But let me tell you, there's no circumstance that you face that you cannot rise above. There's nothing that the devil can put on you that can keep you down if you will have faith in the Word of God and in His promises. You may be going through a difficult spell in your marriage, but let me tell you, if you'll put your marriage in the hands of the Lord, you can overcome. You can rise above the circumstances that you may be facing. You may be in a tough spot financially, but let me tell you, it doesn't matter how low you go. If you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ, he can provide the resources that you have need of, and you can overcome and rise above. You may have got up this morning with a bad attitude and, and, and sadness in your heart, but I, don't, I want you to know you don't have to stay there today because the resurrection power of Jesus Christ helps us to understand that there's hope and there is faith and there is expectation that whatever I have need of, I can find it in Christ Jesus. You say, oh, that, that, that sounds so easy. Well, it is easy. It's just a matter of changing the way that you're thinking about things. What I'm talking to you about today, and when I'm talking about fighting the good fight of faith, most of the time it takes place right here. Most of the time it just requires us thinking differently than we were thinking before. Because the Lord gives us the ability and the power to be able to think differently. Now in verses 19 and 20, it talks about resurrection power. Let's look at that. Verses 19 and 20, it says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, when we talk about resurrection, again, we're talking about, we're talking about something that we cannot do in the natural power. I have no power to raise myself, my body from the dead. There is resurrection power, though, in Christ Jesus. Now, in the, in, in the Greek language, this word power is the word dunamis. Now, dunamis can be looked at from two different perspectives. The, the first perspective is the one that I like to think of that we see in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit of God comes upon the church and it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This power that he's talking about is a power that is continually generated by the Spirit of God. 
it, 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 it's like turbines that are constantly churning under the flow of the water. And those turbines, as they're being moved by the flow of the water, are producing energy that can be used for many positive things. And it, it turns on a regular basis. So the Spirit of God that is in us, he doesn't just, He's not just active in us on Sunday mornings. But he is active in us all the time. There's never a time we cannot draw from the power of the turbines of the Holy Spirit that is producing power in us. I'm thankful that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's always alive. He's always working in us. It doesn't matter if it's 1 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter if it's 3.30 in the afternoon. Whenever you need this power, you can draw from it because this dunamis power, this ongoing turbine of power is creating spiritual energy in us. But there's another way to look at this power that, that he's talking about, this dunamis, dunamis power. And it can be described as explosive power. How many of you know that they can use dynamite to remove obstacles in their way? If they're building a road or if they're trying to carve a path through a mountain, they'll use dynamite and they will strategically place that dynamite in, in areas where when it explodes... It will produce a positive work and clear an obstacle that is standing in the way of progress. And so I have learned in spiritual terms that there are times that we need an explosion of the Holy Spirit to occur in our lives so that that thing that is standing in the way of us moving forward can be removed out of our way. The Bible says that if you have enough faith, you can speak to the mountain, and the mountain will have to be removed into the sea. Now, I've never moved a mountain. I've never spoke. I've lived in a lot of mountains. I've lived in areas where there were a lot of mountains, I've just for fun spoken to them to see if they get up legs and move away. But I've never been able to move a physical mountain. But I'm here to tell you today through the power of the Holy Spirit, there have been a lot of blockages in my life that needed to be removed. And when I began to speak the word of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, an explosion of the Spirit of God happened and removed that obstacle from my life. Some of you need to explode. Some of you just need a good spiritual explosion in your life. Some of you just need to put the Holy Ghost to work in your life in such a way that when, in, when you're being held back by the enemy, that you can just say, okay, God, anytime you're ready, I want you to just explode in my life. I want you to remove this obstacle for me so that I can have power to overcome. Some of us just need to explode. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to explode. You need to get that thing out of your life. 
You need it. You say, I don't know, Pastor. I've, I've dealt with this all my life. I've dealt with this situation for so many years. I don't know how to get it removed from my life. I don't even know if I can. Well, chances are you won't be able to on your own. But I'm glad to know that the Spirit of God that lives within me and resides within me is available to me. And when I need for Him to move on my behalf, He will rise up and generate power that will explode my obstacle from my life. Some of us just need to explode. Amen. I, I, you know, last week we were having such a good time and such a wonderful worship experience. And I thought to myself, I, you know, something's getting ready to explode in this house. I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to look by, like, but it's going to happen. And I mean, just a few minutes later, I saw Joyce running down the middle aisle and I saw her coming and I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to have one of those running fits today. She went by and the Lord spoke to me and said, chase her. And I just, I jumped down off of this platform and took off and I, I quickly realized that she's a much faster runner than I am. I could chase her, but I couldn't catch her. Now, I know that there were people in here. I ran around this side, and there was a young lady standing back in the corner, and when I went by, she looked at me like I had lost my mind. She got up against the wall as close as she could. She didn't want, it's like she doesn't attend here all the time. She occasionally comes, but I, I, later I thought, I wonder what she thought of that. And then the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, why do you care? You've been praying for an explosion of my power, but you want to dictate what it's going to look like and what it's going to feel like. You got to be willing to be open to the explosion of my power when I send it. So I just want you to know today, I've made up my mind that whatever it looks like, whatever it feels like, whatever it sounds like, uh, if God wants to bring it and bring an explosion to our lives, I'm ready to receive it in his name. Amen. So I don't know. I don't want to look like, you know, they look weird. People make fun of me. I don't care. I really don't care. All I, I'm like Paul. If I have to give it up, all of it, so that I can experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, then I'm willing to sacrifice my entire life so that I can experience the goodness of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for an explosion. I'm ready for an explosion. I'm ready for the dunamis power of God. It starts with an explosion that removes obstacles and then those turbines begin to change, turn and they begin to produce power in us. And sometimes we just want to go from explosion to explosion to explosion. Listen, the explosion is not meant to happen all the time because you'll eventually get killed by the explosion. But the explosion is used to remove the obstacle. But once the obstacle is removed, then the turbines can produce the power which will allow the flow to happen. And that's exactly what happens in our spirit. And a spiritual explosion comes and removes that obstacle that has been holding us back. And then the spirit of God just begins to produce spiritual power and spiritual power and more spiritual power 
power and the flow of the Holy Spirit then can carry us from where we have been to a place of victory. Aren't you glad for that today? Give the Lord praise in the house today. Dunamis. And then verses 20 and 23 says this. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority. Say authority. And power and dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. Where? Under his feet. And gave him. Who? Jesus. God gave Jesus as head over all things to the church. Who's the church? We are. Which is his body. What does a body do? A body carries the nature of the spirit. The body carries it to the fullness of him who fills all in all. So now there's a different word here that is used for power. It is the Greek word exosia. If you're taking notes, it's spelled E-X-O-U-S-I-A, exosia. It's not an explosion, and, it, and it's not a dynamo that produces ongoing power, but exosia means authority. It means authority. Now, the reason that some of us don't have victory is because we've never taken authority over the thing that the enemy is throwing at us. Let me tell you something today. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. You have authority in the name of Jesus to come against the devil. And nothing that the devil tries to do to you can supersede the authority in the power and in the name of Jesus Christ. We have authority. How many of you ever watch Gunsmoke? Can I see your hands? How many times I'd like to know that Matt Dillon would call a posse together and he would deputize them and give them a badge to wear so that they could go out on behalf of Matt Dillon and the law of the land. When they, were, when they had that badge on, they were able to, uh, to operate in the authority of the law. So when they were out and they were with their posse and they found someone and they found the person they were chasing, you know what they could do? They could arrest them because they had the authority of the law behind them. They didn't have to say, let's go back and ask Matt. They didn't say, let's, let's, let's go back and see what Kitty thinks about it. Let, let's see what Festus wants to do. No, they said, I've got the authority right here. I've been deputized by the sheriff. Matt Dillon has already told me that I have the authority to operate within the law of the land. And so I don't have to ask permission as to whether or not I can uh, arrest this individual. I already possess the authority to do it. Do you see where I'm going with this? Jesus, the, the word in Ephesians said that God has given Jesus to the church. And the authority that Jesus has, has been given to the church today so that there's something I don't have to ask permission. 
I don't have to go back and say, God, what do you think about? There's some things I do. I pray. I fervently pray. I seek his, his face. I want to know what he thinks. But there are some things that I know I already have the power. I already have the authority. I don't have to get permission from the pastor. I don't have to get permission from the pope. I don't have to get permission from the president. I don't have to get permission from anyone because I have the spirit of the living God living within me and I have the authority in Jesus' name to do what needs to be done right now. Authority. I have authority. I have authority. Did you ever think about the fact that the one thing that Jesus trusted us with was our mind? We have the ability to make whatever decisions that we want to make. If you make a poor choice, you can't blame anyone but yourself because no one can make you do what you just did. You can't blame the devil. It's like I was talking earlier. I was watching a preacher preach one night and he was preaching. It's back in the days that they had handheld microphones that had cords on them, you know? And he was in a big way and he just kept wrapping that cord around his leg and around his leg and around his leg until finally it was about six high of rings around his leg. And now he's preaching like this because the cords wrapped around his leg and he just stopped and he threw it down in the floor and he said, I rebuke you devil in the name of Jesus. But when it was all said and done, the only way he got free was to wrap the cord the opposite way and get it off of his leg. The devil didn't have anything to do with him wrapping that leg around or that, that cord around his leg. It was just a natural um, consequence of what happened. And sometimes we just, we want to blame the devil. We want to blame our husband. We want to blame our wife. We want to blame our kids. We want to blame our dog. We want to blame our neighbor. We want to blame the president. We want to blame the governor. We want to blame everybody that we can blame. But let me tell you something today. You are the only one who has the authority to think like you think and to live like you live and to do like you do. So if you are in a world of hurt, today. Don't blame anyone else, but turn around and change and take authority over whatever it is in your life that you need to overcome. You have authority. Jesus didn't make us little robots. He didn't say, I'm going to create you, but you have to do what I say. You have to always do what I tell you. You have to love me whether you want to or not. You have to go to church. You have to pay your tithe. You have to do all those things. Some of those things and most of those things are very good. But God does not make you do any of those things. Because he has given you the authority to make your own mind up and choose your own way of living. And so the fact of the matter is, is that if we're going to fight this good fight, <clears throat> one of the first things that we've got to do is we've, get our, we've got to get our mind in the mindset of living for the Lord according to his word and not by the way that it feels. Come on, Justin, help me quit. I want to say this, I want to say it the right way. Because I want you to benefit from it. I don't want you to feel like pastor's mad at anybody or anything like that, because I'm not. But sometimes I get very frustrated 
with all the preachers that are on TV and teachers that have stopped preaching and teaching the Word of God and now they're just teaching what feels good to them. I, I see all these little prophetic memes on Facebook that says, Today, God is going to whatever. I would like just one time to see the scriptural reference for it. Just one time. I remember years ago, we used to sing an old song that said, Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. How many of you remember that? Sound the alarm on a holy mountain. Don't get me anointed now. I'll just start singing. And there were Christians everywhere just talking about blow the trumpet and sign, blow the trumpet and sign. We're going to blow the trumpet and sign. Don't blow the trumpet and sign. Because if you read the context of the passage of Scripture, what God was saying, that there's going to be a battle cry from the enemy against my people. And I'm going to let you be attacked because you're not living the way that you should be living. You're living a rebellious lifestyle. So I'm going to let discipline come into your life and give you an opportunity to turn it around. And all these idiotic Christians are saying, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Kill me, God. Put, put disease on me. Put, put destruction on me. Put all that stuff. I remember when I discovered that, I said, I'm never singing that song again. <laughs> I went to a conference somewhere, and people pulled the trumpet in. Oh, they start singing. They, you remember when we were doing the little Israeli dances, the Jewish things all the time? And it, it's like, it was a fad for a while in the churches, and everybody was doing that. Once I found out what that was and what that prophetic word meant, I said, I ain't never singing it, and I'm not ever going to do a Jewish dance if that's the kind of thing that's going to come on me. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. We've got to understand and know the word of God. If we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we better know what it is that we're fighting with. We have the authority in Jesus' name to overcome everything that we face and that's good news. I want to conclude with this thing. If they'll put it on the screen, John. One of my friends who, who is a minister in Phoenix, Arizona, posted this this week on his Facebook page. And I was so struck by it and the fact that I knew I was going to be preaching this message today that I wrote it down. And I want you to look at it. It says, until you know what change you really want or need to make, until you are ready to make it a reality, there is little value in knowing which way is right. And then he says, to have known and not to have done will be the greatest among all griefs. Think about that. You can have all the knowledge in the world. But until you know what needs to be changed. And then you have the desire to make the change. All the knowledge in the world will not help you. And at the end of your life, when it's all said and done. And your life story is no longer going to be written. 
The only thing really that you will regret is the things that you knew that you could have done and should have done, but did not do. I decided this time before I came back home, there were a room full of family members, some of them Christians, some of them not, some of them declaring to be atheists and some of them living lifestyles that's certainly different than the lifestyle that I choose to live. But I decided before I left that place that I was going to let every one of them know how much I love them and how much I appreciate them right where they are in their life. Doesn't matter to me if they're gay. It doesn't matter to me if they're divorced. Doesn't matter to me if they're atheist. It doesn't matter what is, is a part of their story right now. I'm glad that the Lord Jesus Christ accepted me and loved me as I was. And I'm thankful that he has been willing to help me change into his likeness over a lifestyle and over a lifetime. And so I want you to know today... That this thing is a journey. If you're going to become spiritually mature, if you're going to be able to fight the fights that God has um, in your life or will allow to come in your life, you're going to have to learn to do so with the Word of God and by the power of His Spirit. Listen, I love to shout. Apparently, I love to chase Joyce. I love to rejoice. I love to sing. I love to do all those things. I, I've had people tell me, you know, I can remember when we would, used to shout. Well, whoever outlawed it? I mean, if you feel like shouting, knock yourself out. I mean, just get up and shout, dance, do a little jig. You're not going to scare me. I've seen everything. I think. Maybe not. I think I have, though. Worship the Lord, honor him, stand and lift your hands and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all ye people. All of those things, if you feel led to do that in your worship, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But here's what I want to say to you. As good as all of that feels, and it does feel good, and as nice as all that is, what will get you through to victory is not the chill bumps that you get on Sunday morning. What will take you through to victory is this book and this word and the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive and well within you so that when the enemy comes after you on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, when the enemy comes after your spout, spouse and tries to take them away from you, when the enemy gets into the minds of your kids, uh, it's not going to be your chill bumps that will bring you victory. It's going to be the knowledge of the Word of God and the revelation of who Jesus is and the spiritual wisdom that you need to be able to overcome. Stand with me this morning if you will. I want the prayer team to come and get